Hi, I'm Karen Osborne, and this is Living in the Sandwich Zone, a place where each week we talk all things parenting, caregiving, juggling life, and reclaiming joy. So here I am just literally not even two weeks away from sending my firstborn to college. And I have been doing a ton, a ton of reflecting. And I think in many ways, I feel really, really fortunate that Zach um, is my, you know, test case (laughs) in terms of sending one of my two to college because over the years, I think we have sort of prepaved, we've prepaved a lot of the way toward this separation and launching into independence. Zach has always been extraordinarily independent. As a toddler, as a, you know, elementary school student, and throughout the years, he just has always had a way of doing things himself, wanting to do things himself, you know, not wanting to be um, controlled or hamstrung or, you know, given too much guidance or advice. And that was a big learning curve for me as a mom. But I distinctly remember when Zach was in second grade. When Zach was in second grade on the very first day of school, my heart just melted when he asked me, Mommy, will you please walk me to class? And I thought, oh, how sweet. He wants me to walk him to class. So there I go. And I'm walking with him. You know, I'm holding his hand. We're walking towards the classroom. And at some point along the way, we realized that the classes weren't meeting at the classrooms. All the kids were congregating on the playground. And then they would line up and go from the playground to the class. And as soon as Zach realized that, he turned and he shook my hand loose and he said, okay, that's far enough. (laughs) And he didn't want me to take another step with him. And I got it. I, you know, I got it, but it stung. It stung. So that I think was my really first crystal clear memory of Zach really wanting to forge his own way in the world. So then fast forward a few years and at the elementary school where my kids went, there was a program called OSS, Outdoor Science School. And in Outdoor Science School, the fifth grade class would spend, I think it was like three nights away or four nights away. at a camping ground with their classmates and teachers learning about science in the great outdoors. It was the first time that Zach was going to be away from us for any long period of time. And I was kind of emotional about it and a little bit nervous and you know, it was, it was tough. So at the time I was working, at a location that was kind of far from home. And I remember dropping Zach off with his little suitcase and sleeping bag 
and Zach refused to say goodbye. He didn't say, I love you. And he just went on and left really abruptly. And I was crushed. I remember driving to work in tears, so hurt and heartbroken, just feeling so awful about how it all went down. And I remember calling my therapist and one of the things that she told me that has always stuck with me is that sometimes when especially kids are separating, that sometimes it's easier to have sort of a conflict or um, an abrupt kind of separation because it makes it easier for the child to get through that separation instead of some mushy gushy goodbye. And so I feel like as Zach nears his departure for school, I feel like I've been through a few of these separations with him where we are able to part ways but always come back home. And so that for me is sort of the foundation from which I'm looking at this milestone. I'm excited for him. One of the things when I look back, especially on the last several years, on all that Zach has been through as a big brother, I realize and see that he needs his time to go out in the world and just be. When a family has one child that is in crisis, but has another child or other children, the focus, at least from a parental perspective, really tends to be on that child who is in crisis. And I think that was what Zach went through with us. That when Linny was really struggling, all eyes were on Linny, even Zach's eyes. And Zach has always been a really caring big brother, always keeping an eye out, looking out for the best for Linny. And he really did that in a huge way when Linny was struggling. The way our house is laid out, Zach's room and Linny's room are separated by a Jack and Jill bathroom. And so oftentimes when Linny was really, really in distress, Zach was the first person in many cases to hear it and become aware of it and was sort of a first responder. Like I've talked about a lot over the course of this podcast, I have really grappled with this sense of hypervigilance. I also saw it in Zach as a brother being hypervigilant to want to care for and protect Linny. So when I think about him going off to school, I feel like he gets this opportunity where he can focus on himself and school and his independence in a different way. And that I think is what I'm most looking forward to for him. It will be hard and it will be sad. And of course, right now, as I record this, I feel really supremely optimistic, and I'm sure that there are going to be a myriad more of emotions that 
start swirling in the next few weeks. But really right now it is one, a feeling of excitement. Although this is my first time sending a child to college, I have had the benefit of seeing my siblings send their kids off to college and friends and colleagues of mine sending their kids off. Um, so I feel like I have a little bit of a model. I also see that having gone through what I've gone through the last several years, I have a little bit of, I guess maybe some of that hypervigilance still about preparing for the unexpected. And here's what I mean by that. I suppose in some way, when I look back on the mental health crisis that we have navigated over the last several years, I see how important it is to have really good communication, especially with your child or children, and also with the care providers that are taking care of them. So one thing that has been paramount in my mind is that Zach is now an adult. He's 18. He has authority over all of his decisions. And I cannot help but be grateful for the fact that when Lenny's crisis arose, Lenny was under 18 because that allowed me as a parent to have communication with the doctors and the therapists and um, to be as involved as I needed to be to adequately advocate and support my child going through those systems. That's not the case though, when you have a child that's an adult. One thing I think that I would want to share and encourage others to do, especially when dealing with an adult child that's going off to college, I tell this to you from a parent's perspective. However, my background in history from the legal perspective really comes into play here. And that is this, as a lawyer, especially when I was working in a field dealing with individuals with mental health issues, there would be occasions where family members or parents would come in and they would want to find out and know what's going on with their mentally ill child who was embroiled in the legal system. And as a lawyer, I have a duty of confidentiality to my clients, which means that unless I have the explicit permission of my client to disclose and talk to someone else, I cannot do that ethically. So oftentimes when parents or family members would come in and want to know what's going on, as much as I wanted to help alleviate their worrying and stress and give them the inside scoop as to what was happening, there were a lot of times where I couldn't do that, where because my 
client had not given permission or perhaps had even explicitly said, I don't want you to talk to them, I could not divulge and share what was going on. And why I bring this up is this. Having had a child in crisis, one of the good things I think, if you can call it good, is that it occurred when Lenny was under age, under the age of majority, under 18. And that made it simple for me as a parent to advocate and communicate with Lenny's care providers. Having gone through all that we've gone through in terms of navigating the mental health system, I have come across parents who have not been as fortunate as I have been in terms of not only there's the communication with professionals, but the communication with my own child. And so in looking towards sending Zach to college, I have all of this experience in my mind and I'm thinking about the what ifs. What if there is a medical crisis? What do I need to do to ensure that I can fully support Zach in the event of a medical emergency? And so, so here is what I am doing and what I think is really important for parents to think about and execute before their 18 plus year old goes out into the world. You want to make sure that you have authorization from your child something signed. And I'm giving this to you from a parent perspective, not a lawyer's perspective. But you want to make sure that you have something in writing that authorizes you to act on behalf of your child if they become incapacitated. And that can be a medical power of attorney. Some people will talk to you about a durable power of attorney. And you do need to talk to somebody to find out what is best for you. You know, when Zach chose where he was going to college, I went online and I found their release of information form for that university to have filled out and signed by Zach so that we could get information if necessary in the event of an emergency. Because once your child turns 18, they exclusively hold the right to make their medical decisions. Um, There are a lot of privacy restrictions like HIPAA that limit and restrict what medical professionals can tell you or disclose to you. So it's just really important to think in advance and have something, have something on file so that you as a parent have the authority to find out what's going on with your child. And and I, when I talked to Zach about this, I said, only if you're comfortable with it, you know, I understand that you're an adult. This is something that I think is important in the event of an unforeseen emergency. And that's something that we had a dialogue about. And I explained why it was important for me as a parent to have something on hand. Um, So I just suggest that that's a conversation that you have and you look into what you can do to be prepared. And I think it's important to, number one, have that conversation with your child where you explain 
what it is you're trying to do in terms of to get a document that allows you to have access and communicate with their medical professionals in the event of an emergency and explain why that's very important. And I think it's also important to acknowledge that they have their right to privacy and autonomy and that this isn't something that you're getting to pierce that. It's really a just in case. And I think it's important, especially for parents who have had children with mental health conditions, such as suicidal ideation or depression or extreme anxiety. It's really super important to be prepared in advance in the event that there is a mental health crisis that occurs when your child is left for college. You can find a lot of resources through uh, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI. And NAMI's website is nami.org. And they have a section that talks about psychiatric advanced directives. And what a psychiatric advanced directive does, it's a legal document that allows someone who has a history of mental illness to lay out and state what their preferences for for treatment are in advance of a medical health crisis. It can also authorize the sharing of information with family members um, by hospitals and providers and police departments so that family members can be kept up to date and advocate for their loved one. So just a few thoughts that I'm having about, you know, our kids growing up and going out into the world. And as best we can as parents, I think it's really important for us to try to have contingency plans in place for what could happen out there to really help us help them better. So I will put some links to resources in the show notes for this episode, but just think about it. Think about having these conversations with your kids now before something happens so that if ever a crisis emerges, you are as prepared as you can possibly be. I'm Karen Osborne. Thanks for listening to this episode of Living in the Sandwich Zone. If you like this episode, I'd love to hear from you. Like, subscribe, follow the podcast, and share it with a friend. If you're an Apple Podcast listener, one of the best ways you can support me is rating and reviewing the podcast there. You can follow me on Instagram at karen.e.osborne. That's O-S-B-O-R-N-E. Or if you want to become an insider, a club sandwich member, click the link in the show notes and join my private Facebook group. Until next time, remember to add yourself to your caregiving list and take a moment today and do something that brings you joy.